Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll kick off the new year with another hop variety, chat with Bruce Vivian from Noctera Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, and keep it regional as I review Hophead from Listerman Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. Happy New Year! In this first segment of Looking for Lupulin of the new season, we're going to go looking for gold. El Dorado is yet another outstanding and popular New World American hop variety. It was developed by Pacific Northwest's CLS Farms in Moxie, Washington in 2008. Not a lot is known of its lineage, though there is speculation that there is some wild hop parentage higher up in the family tree. After a couple of years, it was trademarked as El Dorado, the tropical hop, and officially released to the public in 2010. Julian Healy's The Hops List notes that El Dorado has an alpha acid content of 13 to 17% and a beta acid content of 7 to 8%. It retains between 60 to 75% of its alpha acid content after six months in storage, a definite plus for this versatile hop. This is another one of those hops that is very fruity and complex. You might get tasting notes of tropical fruit, pineapple, or even mango. It is also a dual-use hop, so aromas of pear, watermelon, stone fruit, or candy may be evident. Interestingly, the flavor and aromatics imbued by El Dorado is strongly influenced by the moment the hops are harvested, whether it is early, peak, or late maturity. CLS Farms suggested that you can pair El Dorado with other hop varieties like Citra, Centennial, Mosaic, Comet, Cashmere, and Sabro to make your beer burst with flavors. Boy, that sounds good to me. El Dorado may often be most found in blondes, lagers, wheats, American pale ales, and India pale ales to name a few. If you are homebrewing and can't find this hop, you could use Galena or Simcoe. Unfortunately, since this is a proprietary hop variety, it is not available for growing in your own backyard. In this first segment of Homebrew Hijinks for the New Year, it's time to reveal the next beer that is on the brew calendar. If you visited any of the 1600 breweries that participated, you have probably heard of or even consumed an imperial stout called Black is Beautiful. In the summer of 2020, in response to social injustices faced by people of color, Marcus Baskerville, co-founder and head brewer of Weathered Souls Brewing, created the largest collaboration beer in the history of beer. Participating breweries would maintain the base recipe with the option of creating their own unique variation on the beer. And with every pint sold, a $1 donation was made by these breweries, resulting in over $6 million raised to support organizations promoting equality, inclusion, and social reform. Very successful. Well, last summer, Weathered Souls released the next recipe, Black is Beautiful, Volume 2, which is a hazy IPA. Since less than 1% of craft breweries in the U.S. are owned by African Americans, for this open-ended beer collaboration, the proceeds would support the National Black Brewers Association's work in developing and growing black brewers nationwide. As before, each participating brewery will commit $1 per beer sold to the work of the National Black Brewers Association. When I heard about this project, I wanted to join in as well, so I reviewed the recipe and began planning. Since I'm still getting my feet wet with brewing, I decided to stay true to the recipe. There would be some challenges and steps in this brew which would stretch me. 
but I won't spoil it just yet. So next time, we'll start mashing the grain and boiling the wort. Now, it's time for Barstool Banter. Listen in for the first of a two-part interview with Bruce Vivian of Noctera Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. Bruce is a down-to-earth guy who loves beer in the great outdoors. It was a pleasure to hear more about the brewery and the big plans Noctera has for 2024. Well, welcome to Barstool Banter. I'm sitting down virtually with Bruce Vivian from Noctera Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. Bruce, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here on the podcast. Yeah, no problem, man. Real excited to fill you in on all things Noctera. Yeah, I appreciate that. So can you tell me how long Noctera has been open? Yes, yeah, so, uh, we're coming up on our fifth year anniversary. We opened uh, February 2nd, 2019. And uh, so yeah, here next February will be five years. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. Not a small feat to have made it through COVID and all the other challenges we've had in the industry over the past few years. For sure. It was, uh, that was an interesting time. Me and my business partner, owners and brewers, you know, with all the governor selling us to send all our employees home, we basically kept the whole brewery afloat, just the two of us. So it cool. was a lot. Yeah. So what is your role then at the brewery? So I'm co-owner, head brewer, and then, you know, general repairer of all things broken. <laughs> so I assume you've been in that position from the start then? Yeah. Yeah. Me and my business partner both brew and do all those kinds of things. Yep. Cool. Noctera is uh, an interesting name. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's kind of a play on words. Um, nocturnal like night and Terra like earth. Me and my business partner, we met as homebrewers. We both at the time were making a lot of like mixed firm kind of sour beers that not a lot of homebrewers were making 10 years ago. So that's kind of what kind of drew us together as having interesting conversations about how I was doing or how he was doing it. We also are both young dads. So a lot of our brewing's done at night and we're both super outdoorsy Eagle Scouts. Most of our Noctera's beer branding is all kind of outdoor adventure sport related names and events and things like that are all surrounded by that. Noctera came from that like love of brewing at night, being outdoors, that kind of thing. Awesome. I love that. The logo is cool too. It looks like a moth. Can you tell me a little bit about what that comprises? So my brother's actually our graphic designer in the early stages. He moved to Yakushima, Japan. So it got a little difficult to keep <laughs> up on the design work for the brewery on the other side of the world. So the the moth kind of pulls in beer elements and outdoorsy elements. So the antennae are, you know, sprigs of barley. The main body of the moth is a hop cone. But there's some mountains and some moons and starscapes in the wings. There's some N's kind of filtered in there for the Noctera word. Yeah, it's very cool. So how large is your tap room there in Columbus? Inside, it's like 2,500 square feet, but we have like a third of an acre patio. So it's one of the largest outdoor like beer gardens in Columbus. So that's our big play in the summertime is having that huge outdoor space. Yeah, I remember when I visited there four years ago. Just remember how expansive it was. And if I remember right, it's got like some porch space and it's got the big open grassy area. And it's just really a cool uh, location. Yeah, yeah. So we have six tables under a covered porch that we're screening in today because as the weather turns, we'll zipper it up in the plastic. And then we've got seating for like roughly 200 outdoors stage, a couple of food trucks. And then inside, you know, you step in, you're in an old train depot building. The tap room is built around 1905, I believe, from the historians around town that have told me. 
And it kind of feels like you've kind of left the city of Columbus where our tap room is located. We're along these train tracks in the suburb of Powell. And Powell is kind of like the land time forgot. We're in a really <laughs> funny, like historic district. And so they have some pretty distinct architectural rules. So it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting when you're walking around downtown, you know, it's like the fifties or whatever. And so the building holds that feel and vibe. And then since you're back in a little neighborhood off the main drag, you kind of just kind of feel like you left everything. Yeah. That was another thing that I remember as well. It seemed like I had to kind of wind around through a neighborhood to get to your location, which I enjoyed because once I got there, I was like, wow, this is great. It's secluded. It's quiet. You know, even though it was by the tracks, I don't remember there ever having a train go by at, at that point. It's just a very well, cool space. Very chill. <laughs> the train, I, I love it. It's like part of the experience. And then barbecue, food truck, and the train, and the kind of country, it just really feels neat when it all comes to pass. And then family-friendly brewery that always wowsers the kids when the train whistles by at 30 miles an hour. Yeah, sure. So you mentioned food trucks. So do you have like a rotating schedule of food trucks, or do you have one that's on there in a permanent sort of sense? We have two kind of semi all the time here trucks one that we own is called trail magic kitchens burger sandwich concept um and then on thursday through sunday we have ray ray's hog pit barbecue which they're a pretty well-known barbecue brand here in columbus they're open uh lunch and dinner thursday through sunday that sounds great good options it sounds like do you have any other locations there in columbus so right now we are currently just operating our pal location tap room but we're about halfway through a build out of a restaurant taproom concept in downtown Columbus. Downtown Columbus wasn't our primary spot for the second taproom, but much like the first one, the building found us, this building kind of found us also. Like I said, our branding is kind of outdoor adventure. Some of our friends own a rock climbing gym here in town, and they were building a third location in Columbus, bouldering gym. So just like the no ropes kind of steep walled climbing style. And they leased a space that was a little too big for them. And they were like, what a really cool thing to combine our adventure sport space with your adventure kind of sport branded brewery. So we started that project and have been building it out. They're already done because their thing was just way easier. They basically painted the walls and threw the rock climbing stuff inside. It just kind of erects like a big puzzle piece. So we're building a much more complex thing. It's has a mezzanine layer and a kitchen underneath the mezzanine and then big tap room. It'll be seating for 300 inside. So it's a big restaurant. Where is this going to be located then? Yeah, that was the lead up. It's, <laughs> it's inside of the Scioto Audubon Metro Park. So the biggest green space in downtown Columbus has this one huge building. It's a big old warehouse from some grocery chain about the same time frame, turn of the century. It's 400,000 square feet. We were only taking 5,000 square feet. But the building resides in a park, so you can get to the space via waterways, bikeways, carways, walking ways. And so it was just really appealing to us because it had that same vibe that Depot Street does, where you're close, but you are there. You feel like you left town altogether. You know, you can really get there, have a good time and feel like you maybe had a little staycation of some sort, you know? Yeah. Uh, we actually were just in Columbus about two weeks ago there at the Grange Audubon Society oh, yeah, place. Yeah. It was right there, I think, right? Yeah, so when you were standing at that building, if you looked towards downtown, there's like some rise and fall on the landscape. So it kind of hides the building. It's really big, but there's a big building right there. Runs along the train tracks also. Same okay. train tracks that run all the way up to Powell. But you can't hear or see the train tracks the our side of the building, so... Well, I think that sounds definitely like you've got the same kind of synergy that you have with the, the Powell location too. So that's yeah. cool. 
Fantastic. When does your location going to open? We just got some news that, that it's kind of a moving target. There is still some COVID layover supply chain stuff in the commercial world. A thousand people don't buy a very specific electrical panel for a very specific <laughs> project. So those yeah. kinds of things have like 20 week lead times. March is our real goal, but we'll see. Okay. It was February. It's now March. So yeah. we're yeah. keeping positive. Yeah. We know there's, there's nothing nobody can do about that. Right. Well, I mean, the, the process is underway and, you know, you're going to get there eventually. It's just not fun getting there. So what kind of events or activities do you currently have at the brewery? We have a cool program called Take a Hike. It's like a rotating beer series. Once a month, we have a nonprofit partner that every draft or six pack sold $2 from the draft, a dollar from the six pack goes to the charity. And so we, we always try to hold events with said charities because they are mostly charities that fit our branding. So last month we showed a, a movie done by the Orvis clothing company. It was a fly fishing adventure film. So it filled the beer garden up with fly fishermen and outdoorsmen. And to bring more people in to drink the Take Hike beer, that was the partner was for Project Healing Waters. So they're a nonprofit that takes post-traumatic stress veterans fly fishing. So like out on some kind of calming, cool adventure trips to, uh, you know, help them with their stress, which is awesome. So there's things like that that are always cool when we connect our brand with a cool organization. But we got a mug club and we've got bingo night and bands all summer. We pretty much do Labor Day to Memorial Day bands Thursday through Sunday. So on the outdoor stage, weather permitting, and then try to do some outdoorsy stuff throughout the year. So the Orvis film was one. We'll do a rock climbing, real rock film screening every year. Uh, we did a North Face. We also have are partnered with the Public Lands, the clothing store that Dix owns. That's kind of their outdoor adventure clothing brand. So they did a film screening of a North Face movie for skiing and an Olympian woman skier came and talked to everybody about life and all that. They also, we also did a National Geographic uh, photographer talk. And then uh, we're pretty good partners with the Columbus Zoo. They're just down the road from us. So number one zoo in the nation. So we at least three times a year have an animal encounter experience thing at the zoo where they'll bring different critters to pet touch. Or if it's not just our normal animal encounters, it's something to raise funds for polar bears or turtles, elephants. We've done them all. So they don't usually bring elephants or turtles, but you know. <laughs> Okay, they do bring turtles. I, I tease. They bring turtles. That would Not be something, though, to see at the brewery, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's one of the things that I really appreciate about the craft industry is that many of the breweries will partner with the community and really get to know them and, and become a partner with them. So kudos on doing that kind of stuff. For sure. As a brewer, it's always fun to collaborate and brew beer with another brewery. Of course, it's all your industry folks. You love beer. Of course, you're having a good time. But sometimes it's really fun to make a beer with not beer people because they kind of give you the Iron Chef challenge where they just start putting <laughs> out flavors and you're like, all right, I think I can make a beer that hits that for you, you know? I noticed recently on your social media on Instagram, there was a kind of a scavenger hunt sort of thing for your mug club going on. Yeah, yeah. Order them off. So that's pretty cool. So you do that every yeah. year as well? We have. Yeah. So so three memberships annually are gifted via, you know, kind of a geocaching style search and find throughout some parks and stuff in, in and around Pal. Yeah, that's really cool. 
How large of a brewing system do you have there at the brewery? We have a 15-barrel brew house. Uh, we have five 15-barrel fermenters and five 30-barrel fermenters. And then a 30-barrel bright, two 15-barrel brights. So 13 tanks total and then 15-barrel brew house. Okay. Are you planning on brewing at the new location downtown as well? So we had big plans for a barrel room here at Pal. And when we got shut down, when we had to can everything, our canning situation early on was difficult and kind of cramped in the space to save this really nice room for barrels. But when push came to shove, we really needed to can beer. So we, we pushed the barrels out <laughs> okay. and tidied them up and made them smaller and stopped filling more and moved the canning line to the back room. So we kind of lost our ability to do uh, some of the beers we're super passionate about, but it was made business sense to do it. So downtown, everything will just be fermented in wood, no brew house in the Audubon space. So, but that will become our new home for barrel aged products. Get oak aged lagers, mixed firm sours, barrel aged, you know, bourbon barrel stouts and wee heavies and that kind of stuff. I think that sounds like a great idea. Great use of space too, because yeah. it also adds some aesthetic there and gives it a little sure. bit more of a unique flair. Yeah. The building down there has like 25 foot ceilings, so we can do a pretty tall, pretty stack on a wall. It'll, it'll look really neat. Now, because you and your partner were into mixed firm sour beers up front, do you cool ship it all there at Noctera? Yeah. Well, that'd be awesome. There's only a few in Ohio. Uh, yeah. We do not have one. Okay. <laughs> it's always been a dream to do something like that. There's also some mystique being on the train track. So, you know, like, where did this blow in from far away? <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, no, I have not delved delved into the cool ship world yet. Okay. Uh, you mentioned you have a canning system. How many cans do you push through a year? Right now, we're doing about 600,000 cans a year. It's a six-head filler, semi-automated, takes two people to run it. We also are one of the few breweries in town to use a like recyclable cardboard six pack holder is pretty cool. It's definitely, we didn't invent it or anything like that, but you know, wanted to get away from Pactex as quick as possible because of their kind of difficult to recycle. These are paper product, just like a cereal box kind of material. So they're recyclable in every standard municipal yeah. recycling bin. Yeah, I've seen those uh, on a few uh, breweries, like picking up beer out of, uh, you know, directly from a brewery. I've seen those at a few places, and I think that's a really good idea because I have a stack of those pack techs in my basement. And I'm just like, you know, I can pe pass on beer to share with my friends, but what am I going to do with these when they're done other than recycle? Right, right. It's too bad that certain grocery chains used to have bins to recycle them, but that must have gotten harder and harder to deliver them. We were a drop location for a little while, but after a while, I realized the only way they'll come pick them up is by a semi load. So I would have had to store so many to right. then call Pactech or some recycling center to actually send a truck to do it. So I just drove the ones we had to uh, Rheingeist in Cincinnati. They are connected in the recycling world way heavier than we are. Okay. So distribution-wise, uh, with that many cans, are you just distributing mainly through the Columbus area then? Yeah, for right now, you're going to find us most heavy in the northwest corner of Columbus, of course, where the brewery is and, and yeah. filter out from there. But yeah, as of now, we're pretty much in the Columbus Outer Belt zone and some outlying suburbs as far south as maybe Grove City, as far east as Pickerington, and then your New Albany, Powell, Dublin, outer corners. So, And then we're in all five of the like major grocery retailers. We're in Giant Eagle, Kroger, 
Whole Foods, Myers, and Fresh Time. Okay. In all those platforms. And then, of course, uh, the craft beer centric can and bottle shops. Yeah, that was the one thing I did not think about when I was there last was picking up some beer from Noctera. Literally, Bruce had been probably four years since I was down there. And I think at that time, there maybe were 20, 25 breweries. And man, I think there's nearly 40 down there now in Columbus. It's, it's amazing how much it's grown just in like five years. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, when, when Dream to opening, you know, took me and Brian four years, when we first said we should open a brewery, there was only like six. And then by the time we had gotten open, we were in the, yeah, you're right, in the 20s. And now I, I believe the ale trail book is 55 it got so big but like we're not in franklin (laughs) county so they limited it to franklin county and then there's like a bonus section if you want to go above and beyond but they were having people being like man 55 breweries to get the prize is a lot of breweries to visit yeah they they had to lessen it somehow and they they picked the county line okay i remember the first few times we would visit columbus those ale trail books are they're fantastic that's one of the things that i guess i get suckered into i'm like oh i can get a sticker if i like go to five breweries sure or i can get a shirt if i go to like 12 yeah i'll do it and i'll never forget like the first year we did that and i said to my wife i'm like well hey let's go down here to i think it was barley's because that's right downtown right i'm like let's go to barley's we'll go have some you know some brunch you have some beer and you know see what else where else it takes us so we sit down at the table and the waiter says well hey uh you know do you are you doing the ale trail I was like, the what? He's like, the Ale Trail, let me get you a book. Well, that's cool you mentioned Barley's. I kind of grew up at Barley's. My dad loved that brewery, so or that restaurant, really, at the time. It was like breweries weren't a thing. It was just a restaurant that brewed beer. The guy who served my dad beer then is still the guy brewing now. That's cool. cool. Yeah, it is cool. What was your journey uh, to becoming a professional brewer? I mean, you mentioned you homebrewed before. Oh, yeah. So my background, I was a Mercedes mechanic, technical kind of job. Brewing always was interesting to me. I like to cook. I like a process. I like rules. Obviously, I like German things. So it was all kind of kind of worked into my stuff I was into. So homebrewed for a decade or so, and then met my business partner, Brian, and we started brewing together sometimes, things like that. And we both had pretty good jobs. They were intense in their own ways. And, you know, one night he was like, do you? And I, before I could even finish the sentence, I was like, yep. <laughs> so we knew what we were asking each other. So we, we started the process of what it would take to open a brewery. So we really set out to make a nice, beautiful brewery space. So it, it took a long time to find the right building, get the right concept, build a real brand. So when you opened, it didn't seem halfway there. It seemed, it was like, I wanted to open like a, a decades old brewery from day one. So from the time that you started that to the time you actually opened your doors, how many years was that? About four, you know, and and maybe the first year me and Brian were just hanging out, dreaming about it a lot more than we were. We weren't really putting stuff together, but then the fundraising effort and understanding concepts and, and visiting a lot of breweries and weird nights and counting how many beers go over the bar to like be like, can you make money on a Tuesday? Like, you know, to prove it to ourselves that it was gonna replace our good jobs with good jobs. So it's all a process, right? I mean you you work like you said from concept to kind of laying out what it looks like and then you just have to get your feet wet and then finally it's like, well, we've got to either do this or don't do it. And you know, let let's see if the yeah. dream survives. That's sure. cool. Congratulations again on five years. That's pretty awesome. Hey, thanks. 
Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Hophead from Listerman Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. This beer comes in at 6.5% ABV. From the brewer, brewed exclusively with Citra and Eldorado hops, this NEIPA offers a wonderful balance of grapefruit, passion fruit, citrus, and tropical fruits, rounded out with a clean, smooth bitterness. Enjoy this hophead all year round. Well, without further delay, Listerman and recently retired owner Dan are pretty well known in the Midwest brewing scene. They like to think outside the box on beer and it shows in everything that they produce. Besides these great beers that they have on tap, they also have a really nice homebrew store as well, which is where the everyman purchased supplies for the passion fruit sour I brewed last year. I would definitely recommend it if you are going through and you're a home brewer. So I poured this into a pint glass it pours a light, hazy, golden color. It has a nice, fluffy, white head. When I was pouring it, I was getting a lot of fruit on the nose, dominated by citrus, maybe a little bit of grapefruit there. Very appealing. So first sip impression. Mm. Okay, so right off the bat, I'm getting some great citrusy hop spiciness to it. It's got a great flavor that just really wants you to go back in for another swig. The IBU value wasn't listed, but I'd say this is probably somewhere in the 30 to 40 IBU range. It's a mild bitterness, but it is really smooth as it was described. So on the nose, I do get a little bit of that passion fruit. I definitely get a lot of tropical fruit there. On the palate, a nice balanced citrus flavor. So one of the other things I really love about Listerman is that they have some great can art. It's very fun and kind of playful. So this one has a picture of a guy with gray hair in a monocle and it's a uh, quite literally uh, the head is hops and he's holding a beer and he's got a red shirt and suspender. So I guess it's old hop head here that we're looking at. So on the nose getting a lot of nice juicy citrusy tropical fruit on there. It's got a nice medium body mouthfeel on it. Very smooth. It's very delicious. The beer finishes with a nice grapefruit flavor. Some beers have that grapefruit peel dryness to it. This really doesn't as much. It just kind of fades out from this grapefruit citrus just out to just to a nice, just a nice citrus flavor that lingers on the back of the throat. It's just really nice. So this is a solid sipper. I think that I would agree with the recommendation that they have that this is a nice beer to have year-round so at six and a half percent this is one of those beers that i think you could almost crush on so i really like this el dorado is going to give me that nice tropical kind of fruit salad flavor i'm almost getting a little bit of a, a resinous vibe to it as well you know i don't know if it's like more of a, a candied pineapple or candied kind of tropical fruit thing going on here but it's very interesting it's a nice solid hazy any ipa it's got a lot of great flavor that would appeal to those that really like citrus but it is just a very very tasty beer so i would give this one four tasters out of five on the flight board cheers listerman brewing
If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. That's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as I mash on in my homebrewing adventure and finish up my conversation with Bruce Vivian of Noctera Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram and leave me a comment to let me know what your favorite beer with Eldorado Hops is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends!